Hey, welcome to another special Rewind episode of You Had Me At Black. I'm Martina Abraham Zalunga. We are in the kitchen cooking up a new season for y'all and figured in the meantime, why not revisit some of our favorite episodes from the past? Today's Rewind comes from Marlon. He shared this story at one of our kickbacks in Houston. He was fresh off a breakup and needed some alone time. So he signed up for a yoga retreat because why not? Here's what happened. You're listening to You Had Me at Black. Black. Right in the heart of the city. Black. Man, listen, man. Black, black. This is You Had Me at Black, and we live, baby. I answered the phone, and all I could hear was her breathing. And then from the silence, she spoke in a way that was more grounded than I've ever heard her speak before. And she said, you've become more of who you are than you've ever been in your life. That's not who I married, and I want a divorce. She was right. Um, I knew that my daughter, who's a six-year-old, would be like torn to pieces. Her name is Phoenix. Y'all say, what's up, Phoenix? She'll hear this someday. I knew she would be broken. I knew that she would be torn. But my wife was right. I had evolved to become a different person than the one she married. You see, the person she married was a local pastor of a church. And his mission was to take a group of artsy people and to turn that group of artsy people into a mega church. But um, unfortunately, I am a disruptive innovator. I mess things up for good reason. So the church then became an art gallery, and the art gallery then became a restaurant. We kept cannibalizing ourselves over and over again, and I was left to deal with the shit in my marriage. Because you can't change jobs that many times when you're married like that. (laughs) And stay married like that. I recognized that the thread that was woven into the fabric of every change and everything that I had to deal with was yoga. Yes, yoga. I know y'all see a black man up here talking about yoga, but I'm a yoga practitioner. And yoga was the thread woven into the fabric of how I processed the shit to fertilize my future, right? So what ultimately happened was that um, a friend of mine, Danielle Fanfare, asked me, to go practice yoga when I told her I no longer wanted to like exercise just to exercise. And y'all, I went to the YMCA downtown to practice yoga and it was love at first sun salutation, right? I mean, the breathing in and out, the dristy or the focus, setting your gaze on something. Yoga made me question everything about my life because yoga is nosy as hell. In every pose, it asked me questions like, what did you want to release off your mat like you were releasing air on your mat? What, what did you want to set your focus on to create balance off of your mat that you were setting your focus on to create balance on your mat? Yoga was influencing me in ways that I had never been influenced before, but it just wasn't perfect because the yoga studio that I practiced at, I was the only black male, which meant that oftentimes when I walked into class, it was all white women, And many of them assumed that I had like walked into the women's restroom is what it sort of felt like. 
They were covering themselves up, like watching me everywhere I went, just to make sure, I don't know, I wasn't a nigga with an attitude trying to steal a look. <laughs> Ultimately, I decided that I was going to practice in the front of the room so I wouldn't be distracted by them looking at me and me seeing them looking at me, right? So I practiced in the front of the room. Lo and behold, all the experienced yoga practitioners always practiced on the front row in the studio. So to the left of me and to the right of me were the dopest yogis in the city, many of whom were teachers. I was a spiritual teacher at the time, but these spiritual teachers, they had depth, but they also knew how to kick it and have fun. They kissed each other in the mouth. It was disgusting and divine at the same time. <laughs> these teachers taught from the soul, but they frolicked all over the earth as if they were spirits and boundless. I said to myself, self, that's the kind of teacher I want to be. The next day, my teacher and the owner of the studio came up to me and said, Marlon, would you like to become a teacher? She said, we're going on a 21-day immersion to Panama, and it's only $6,000. <laughs> I ain't never heard only in $6,000 that close together. <laughs> Y'all, I had the desire, but I did not have the dollars. Seven days later, can you say seven days later? Seven days later. A dude who left our church because as we transitioned, from one thing after the next, we lost over 500 people who were connected to our church. I had lost my marriage and I had lost my ministry at the same damn time. One of the members who had left called and said, hey, I want to talk to you. I went to his house. I walked in. His wife was sitting on the couch to the left. He was sitting on a couch to the right and they asked me to sit on a chair in the middle of the two couches. He said, God wants me to tell you something. I was like, oh, cool. I'm ready. He said, God wants me to tell you that you've spent most of your life serving him by serving others, but you have not served yourself. He said, you've cared for others, but you haven't cared for yourself. You too have desires in your heart. Then he asked his wife to go get the checkbook. She came back. He opened up the checkbook. He put his pen to the pad. And I promise you, he said, what do you desire that you don't have the dollars for? Three months later, I was on a bus headed to Panama City. Man, you can't imagine how beautiful it was leaving Panama City, going to Kambutal. Well, I would practice yoga for 21 days and learn to become a yoga teacher in the jungle. Dude, when I finally got to my room, I recognized that my bungalow, the backyard of my bungalow, like, was an ocean. And so there was the stream that came down from the mountain into the ocean. And when I first got there on day one of 21 days, I stood in the stream and the water was moving past my heels and tickling my toes. And I can literally still hear the symphony of silence with the ocean and the water moving. And I said to myself, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> you're, you're a nigger. <laughs> and you're changing your career from a pastor to a yoga teacher, they make $25 a class. This why your ass got divorced. This why she left you, shit like this. This is it. I was in paradise and hell all at once. All right, y'all. I am so sorry to interrupt your story, 
but hear me out real quick. What if you started every day with the confidence to speak your truth? Or if you felt supported to break down your walls and better connect with your family, your friends, your partners, and just the world in general? Or if you had the tools to express all of the feelings, thoughts, and stories that live deep within your soul? What would that do for you? We started You Had Me at Black with the mission to reclaim the Black narrative and inspire people to walk boldly on their own. And for the last four years, we've been passing the mic across the country to share our stories. Now, we're taking it one step further and giving y'all the tools and the space to become stronger storytellers every day. Today, we're excited to introduce Team You Had Me at Black, It's a digital kinship designed for Black folks who are inspired to use their voices to connect, heal, and ultimately to liberate. Team You Have Me at Black opens for everyone in early 2021. But if you're listening right now, you're invited to a special three-month preview, which starts on October 14th. To learn more or to sign up, visit youhadmeatblack.com slash teamyhmab. That's youhadmeatblack.com slash team Y-H-M-A-B. All right, all right, you can get back to the story. We continued in the journey, and it came time for us to do hands-on assists. Hands-on assist is when a yoga teacher not only uses his or her words to communicate language, to put a person in a shape or in a pose, but you also use your hands, you use your body. And I recognized that I had a problem with touch when it came time to do hands-on assist. Because I said to myself, self, don't you know that the black male touch is oftentimes either hypersexualized or criminalized in our culture? And so if I put my hands on one of these white women in the wrong way, right, shit can go down. They got the popos out here too. Popos in Panama, lock me up. Honestly, like I was broken. And before the end of the class, I literally ran out and ran to my room, like, just like that, too, like, arms flailing. (laughs) And when I got to my room, I just wept. And I wept over a lack of control that I had over my own sense of intimacy, over a lack of control I had over my own sense of um, touch for me and about me. So that night, we had a party. And the party was to celebrate the first week of us having been out in Kambutal practicing yoga 16 hours a day, doing inquiry for four hours a day, and barely getting sleep. But this party was amazing. We laughed and we drank and we drank and we laughed until we reduced ourselves to the least common denominator of our personalities, if you know what I mean. And then these, these folk, you know them folk, they started to run towards the ocean and they started taking off their clothes as they were running to the ocean. And I took my shirt off. I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. But they started taking everything off. I was like, niggas don't skinny dip. <laughs> Some honey dips that are skinny, but niggas don't skinny dip. <laughs> so as we got closer and closer to the ocean, I had a choice. And that choice was to do what I had always done when it came to protecting my image as a safe black male or to say, fuck it. I'm going to get naked with a bunch of white women in, in Panama. 
another brother was there with me, and he and I looked at each other like, man, we gonna do this? <laughs> I was like, nigga, you know, 200 years ago, we would have been lynched for some shit like this. I was like, fuck it. As soon as we got to the edge of the ocean, y'all know it came down to the draws. You know, the draws, that's the last, that's the final straw. <laughs> I was like, ah. Uh, <laughs> I took them hoes off. I jumped in that water. I felt more free than I ever felt in my life. I smelled white privilege. I felt white privilege. I was like, shit, I'd be fighting for this shit too. I wouldn't give y'all shit. <laughs> if I could do this. And I promise, I promise, as we stepped into the ocean, you can see like this lightning striking into the ocean off into the distance miles away. And they were not fireworks, but I felt like they were fireworks going off, representing the emancipation proclamation of my new possibility, right? The very next day, it was time for us to do hands-on assist. And the girl who was my partner gave me permission to be the, um, honest intimator that I was, and I put her in the shapes. I had no problems doing it because I felt free. Well, every single day, I would run from my bungalow down the beach to this rock formation that was like two stories high, and before the sun would rise over the mountains, I'd climb the rock, and that's when Scissor first came out. Y'all know that, that joint gets you emotional, right? <laughs> So I was like dancing the scissor on the rock like every day before the sun came up. And I would know when it was time for me to go to breakfast because as my eyes were closed, I could feel the warmth of the sun hitting my face as an alarm to let me know it was time to get off the rock and go to breakfast. But on this day, like the day after I had successfully done assists, I let it linger. I took my earbuds out and I allowed the ocean to serenade me into sweet nothings and everythings. And then my hips just began to move and I was just dancing to myself, with myself. And I decided on that rock that I would love and ravish myself every fucking day like a new lover. In that moment, my heart was beating spiritually, like my, my sense of self-love was rising. And when I opened my eyes, I looked down and saw that I had a boner. <laughs> I think my brain was trying to process this sense of intimation, this sense of intimacy, and it got confused. <laughs> but I wore that boner with pride. I stepped up in the breakfast just like this here. Good morning. My friend, she's not laughing. Good morning. I, they look just like you. Mm-hmm. I pointed in her direction. <laughs> Ultimately, I got my certificate, and I also got self-love. So when I got home, I had not seen my daughter in 21 days, and I showed her the certificate. We laughed, we played, we played, and we laughed, and it was time for bedtime. She goes to bed at 7.30. But I said, you know what, it's 6.30, why don't I sit down and talk to my baby girl before she goes to bed? So we laughed and we talked and we talked and we laughed. I thought 45 minutes had passed, but I looked at my watch and do you know guys that four hours had passed? 
And I leaned forward and I said, Phoenix, I said, baby, daddy is so proud of you. In the 21 days that daddy has been gone, you have grown so much. What you say about what you think and how you think it is so powerful. Daddy loves you so much. And then she kind of smirked. I was like, what? She leaned forward and she said, Daddy, I always talk like this. She said, you just never listened. Then she leaned forward and touched me on my knee. And she said, Daddy, I'm proud of you for growing in the past 21 days. And then she tapped me on the knee and said, good night. <laughs> she went to bed. She left me there crying and melting and listening for the very first time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to You Had Me at Black. We're currently accepting story pitches for our upcoming season. The theme is unraveling because after all, for better or for worse, so much about the world as we know it is unraveling. To learn more and to pitch your story, visit youhadmeatblack.com slash tell a story. Peace.